Welcome to the Caris Christian Center podcast. When we're talking about the grace life, I begin in John chapter 1, and we talked about the fact that Jesus is the embodiment of grace and truth. And when we looked at that, we saw that uh, uh, John says this, he says, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus, and of his fullness we have all received grace for grace. So we said this, we said grace plus truth or truth plus grace equals Jesus, which produces life. We said truth minus grace equals law, which produces death. So Jesus is the embodiment of grace and truth. And how you approach the truth uh, determines whether truth will produce life or death. Then we talked last week about what grace produces. And we said 17 of the New Testament books of the 26 start with grace and peace. Praise God. And so peace is a result of receiving the grace of God, receiving the gospel in your life. And then we said, secondly, grace produces freedom. And we said the first thing it does, and let's turn to Galatians chapter 1 and look at this uh, verse, Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. But in Galatians chapter 1 verse 4, Paul makes a statement and he says in Galatians chapter 1 verse 4, who gave himself, speaking of Jesus, for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Jesus came to free us from this present evil world. Freedom is a result of the gospel. He says in Galatians 5 verse 1, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and do not be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Another translation says, It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Christ set us free to live the free life. Another one says, Thank God freedom is a result of the gospel. Now, we're not only free from sin, but we are free to live in the purpose and the plan, the will of God for our life. Notice what he says. He says, according, Jesus gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. So we can live for the glory of God. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to begin today, and I want to begin in verse 5, and we'll be reading through the end of chapter 1. But he says this, uh, Paul says this to Timothy, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned, the unspotted, the pure faith that is in you, which was first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, I am persuaded that it is in you also. Wherefore, I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, which is in you by the putting on of my hands. So he's speaking to Timothy, his son in the faith. And he says, for God has not given us a spirit of intimidation. We're not to be intimidated. We're not to be afraid of the devil. Praise God. We're not to be afraid of the enemy. In this case, Paul was in prison for preaching the gospel, and Timothy felt somewhat intimidated because of that. So he says, God has not given us a spirit of fear or intimidation, but of power and of love and a sound mind, a self-controlled 
a disciplined mind, a mind that's instructed in the Word of God. He said, be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. Don't be ashamed of the testimony of Jesus, nor of me, his prisoner, but be a partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Look at verse 9. Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our own works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Uh, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. So Paul says there was a purpose, there was a grace that was given to us in Christ Jesus before the world began. That's kind of one of those wow scriptures. Right, so that's grace from eternity past. Jesus was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And Paul told Timothy, there was a purpose, there was a grace given to us before the world began. There was a divine plan for our life. So I want to share with you, there is a divine design. There is a divine purpose and grace for your life. Why, why does Colorado have one of the highest rates of teenage suicides in the nation. And the, and the liberals, they're covering this up. They're not telling. They, they haven't even been putting out the numbers in the last few years because they don't want the people to know. But why do we have one of the highest rates? Because we've told people that there is no God. And if there is no God, there is no divine design. There is no purpose. But there is a divine design. There is a divine purpose and plan for your life. He begins to tell us in verse 10, he says, it's now made known, it's now revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So when you believe on Jesus, you enter into the divine plan of God and the divine purpose of God for your life. He says in verse 11, whereunto I'm appointed a preacher and an apostle of the Gentiles. Not only is there a divine design for our life, there is a divine appointment for our life. And you don't want to miss your divine appointment. I believe that a lot of people miss their divine appointments. I personally believe that every person has a great opportunity to be a success and be a blessing in life. But you've got to enter into it by faith. And if you study the Old Testament, there was something that they celebrated every 50 years in the nation of Israel. It was called the year of Jubilee. And on the year of Jubilee, everybody went back to their own family. Everybody went back to their own property. You know, everybody, Jubilee's talking about freedom. When the Bible talks about in John chapter 8, verse 36, if the Son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. It's talking about that thing called Jubilee. But if you take 50 years, and if, if we have, you know, the average person lives 70 plus years, then once in your working career, right, you have an opportunity because everybody had their own family, their own property. So when you come into Christ, you come to, into your rightful position in God's family, and I believe that, that God gives you opportunity. So I don't want to miss my divine appointment. I believe there are divine appointments for every person that, that, that lives on this planet. I believe that God gives every person opportunity. I believe that God created every person with great ability. But it's what we do with that. 
And I believe the most unused plans, purpose, and abilities are those that are in the graves, that people never found out what their divine grace and purpose was, and they never made their divine appointment. So the first aspect of that divine appointment is receiving Jesus. Praise God. Now let's read on down what he goes on to say in verse 12. He says, For the which things I suffer these things, which cause, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know who I have believed in, and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. That tells me it takes faith to enter in to your divine appointment. It takes faith to enter into the divine purpose, the divine grace that is on your life. And he says, hold fast the form of sound words which you have heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed to you keep by the Holy Ghost that dwells in us. So you, you enter it by faith, you keep it by the Holy Ghost. Amen. You've got you to keep a hold of what God's given you. He says, this you know, that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom is Phyglis and Hermongus. The Lord give mercy to the house of Omnisphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chain. So Paul says, some have turned away, but some have stayed along. And he said, God had mercy on them. But when he was in Rome, he sought me out very diligently and found me. The Lord grant unto him that he may find mercy of the Lord in that day. And in how many things he ministered to me at Ephesus, you know very well. Now, let's go back and talk about this a little bit. First of all, there is a divine design for your life. There is a purpose and there is a grace for your life. I believe that we find that purpose and we find that grace in the person of Jesus. I want to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 where Paul is writing and he's defending the resurrection of Jesus. And he's, as he's defending the doctrine of the resurrection of Jesus, he begins to talk about all these different people that saw Jesus after he was raised from the dead. You understand that the resurrection is the crux of Christianity. Without the resurrection, Jesus is not who he said he was. And if Jesus is not who he said he was, we're all without hope. But Paul says Jesus is who he said he is. Praise God, he was raised from the dead, and we have hope. And these are all the different people. He's talking about all the apostles that saw him. And he says in verse 8, as he's going through this list of these different apostles, Peter and James and different ones, he says in verse 8, he says, And last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, and I am not meet, I'm not sufficient to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul, his name was Saul of Tarsus. He was a Pharisee. He was a very strict Jewish person. And he was very zealous for God. And his zeal for God, he was persecuting Christians and having many put to death. And so he, he was talking about, you know, all these different people were apostles and yet God called me to be an apostle and I, I really shouldn't be included in this group because of what I've done. But how many of you know that your divine purpose, your divine design, the divine grace on your life is really not about you. It's about Jesus. And so he says this in verse 10. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
You see, so what is grace? Grace is divine favor, that by which we're saved. Grace is divine influence. It's the divine influence on the heart and reflection. It's reflection in your life. But grace is also this. Grace is divine ability. It is God doing for you what you could not do for yourself in the person of Jesus Christ when he died and rose again. And that's what Paul is talking about. That is really what is central to the message of the scripture. That is central to the message of Jesus. That is central to the New Testament and the gospel. Amen. I am what I am by the grace of God. And he says, his grace that was bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Now, this week, I just had Andrew Womack in, and we recorded a week of television together. And we recorded about the revelation of grace. And as I was talking to Andrew, because, see, it took me a number of years, right, to get a revelation of grace, I was actually born again when I was eight years old and I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and called to preach, began to understand who I was in Christ when I was 14 years old. But it wasn't until I was 30 years old after I'd been pastoring for six years that I got a revelation of grace. And when I got a revelation of grace, it really changed my life. But I told Andrew this in our teaching as we were sharing on these television programs on the revelation of grace. I said, before I had a revelation of grace, I was very diligent. And Andrew brought up this scripture. He said, yeah, this is a good one. Because he said, some people that get the grace message, they they become complacent. and, And they make excuses. And he said, you're never one of those people that's made excuses. You were very diligent, he said, and it's good, coupled with an understanding of grace. Now, Barbara says, before I got a revelation of grace, she's like, you are like a tyrant to live with. Because it seemed like I could never measure up. She said, I don't think our kids would have grown up serving God like they're serving God today if you wouldn't have received a revelation of grace because it really changed how I dealt with Barbara, how I dealt with my children, how I deal with people in the church and my ministry. Because really, it's not so much about them, it's about Jesus. It's about the grace of God. Because I realized when I, when I got a revelation of grace, it wasn't so much about me, but it was about, it's about the grace of God. But Andrew said, it's good that you were diligent, and it's good that you're, st- I'm still very diligent. You know what, I got up this morning at 5 o'clock, I went to the gym, I ran, you know, 2.7 miles, I, that's about lesson I usually do. Then I went to the pool and swam a thousand meters, and that's a little bit less than I usually do. But I do that seven days a week. I cut it in half on Sundays. Amen? But I'm a very diligent person. I, I read the Bible through every year. I read it through and through and through and through. And, through. and it never, the Scripture never quits speaking to me. God has spoken to me in Genesis. He's spoken to me in Job. He's spoken to me in Isaiah. He's spoken to me in Malachi. He's spoken to me in Matthew. He's spoken to me in Romans. He's spoken to me in Jude. And he's spoken to me in Revelation. Thank God the Word of God is alive. It's not like any dead book. It's a living book in Jesus. Jesus is the living word, and the word of God has really changed my life. But, but Paul goes on, and, and he catches himself. He says, you know, I am what I am by the grace of God. It's not me, but it's the grace of God that was with, I'm really not worthy of this because I persecuted Christians and had them put to death. But it's the grace of God that is with me. And when I received grace, I labored much more abundantly than they all. But then he caught himself, and he said, it's really not me. 
It is the grace of God that is with me. Amen. You know, when Barbara and I started our first church in Kit Carson, Colorado, we were there for 13 years and God blessed us. I said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do this. Now, you got to realize it's Christ that strengthens you. When I came here to Colorado Springs to start this church, I said, baby, if Jesus doesn't show up, we are toast. We are finished. It's over. We're done. We can't do this on our own. You see, because Jesus said, John 15, verse 5, without me, you can do nothing. And I really believe the second position is a stronger position because there's more of a focus on Jesus. And if we're not careful, you know what? We can go from grace into performance, but then we catch ourselves and realize, listen, this, this is not me, but this is the grace of God that is working with me. So there is a divine design for our life, amen? There's also a divine appointment, and Paul talks about that divine appointment. I want you to go with me to the book of Acts, and I, I wanna look in Acts chapter uh, nine, Paul talks about this. We'll begin reading in verse one. We'll read through verse six. Saul, who became Paul, was breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, you know, believers in Jesus, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shone a, a light around about him from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why persecutest me? Why are you persecuting me? Now, he asked a very important question, and I believe that he answered this question in the right, right way. He said, who are you, Lord? See, he realized, hey, something's got a hold of me and it's bigger than me. Who are you, Lord? Jesus replied to him, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. You know, the way of the transgressor is hard. You know, Jesus said, come to me, take my yoke upon you for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But when you're going the wrong way, it's hard, it's difficult. Jesus said, it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. He trembling, astonished, saying, Lord, what will you have me to do? Praise God. If this is Jesus and I've been going the wrong way and he's the Lord, what do I need to do? Jesus said, arise and go into the city and it will be told you what you must do. And immediately, you know, he, he got up and, and he was blind. And he, he went to a certain place and God sent a disciple to lay hands on him, pray for him. He received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He... He immediately, Saul, who became Paul, immediately began to preach that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is Lord. Yay. Praise God. He talked about that in the book of Galatians. We were there earlier in chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 15 and verse 16, he talks about when he met Jesus Notice what he says, talking about a divine appointment. He says, but it, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. He had a divine appointment with Jesus. Praise God. And he had the right answer. Who are you, Lord? And what do you want me to do? 
Now, Jesus not only gave him that instruction, he told him some other things. And later in his life, when he's testifying before King Agrippa in Acts chapter 20, I want you to turn with me if you have your Bible to Acts chapter 20. And I want to read a few scriptures from Acts chapter 20. Paul is before, oh, Acts chapter 26, excuse me. Uh, I need to mark my Bible better. Acts chapter 26, but he talks about this as he's speaking with King Agrippa. And he says in verse 13, I was on, in verse 12, I was on my way to Damascus. And at midday, O king, in verse 13, I saw in the way a light from heaven above the brightness of the sun shining round about me and them which journeyed with me. And when we were fallen to the earth, I heard the voice speaking, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. But rise and stand on your feet. He begins to tell more of the story here. For I have appeared unto you for this purpose. Jesus appeared unto him for this purpose. I believe that there's a divine design for every person that's ever been born, that's ever walked on the earth. I believe that there's a divine design. But I also believe that there's a divine appointment. You know, recently, one of my good friends, Ed Meyer, went home to be with Jesus. But Ed said this, and, and he was a very good friend and gave me very good counsel. But Ed and Peggy said this, we believe that there are divine appointments every day. And you don't want to miss those divine appointments. Praise God. Thank God we don't miss those. So I've appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister, a witness of these things which you have seen and the things which I will appear to you. As you walk with Jesus, he shows you things to come. Delivering you from the people, from the Gentiles to whom I now send you to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to the light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith that is in me. He says in verse 19, whereupon, O King Agrippa, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. There's a divine design. There's a divine purpose and grace for your life. Paul said that was given, talking to Timothy, to us before the world began in Christ Jesus. You find it when you believe on Jesus. But there's divine appointments. We don't want to miss those divine appointments. We don't want to miss those divine things that God has for our life. Praise God. I believe that God had a divine appointment for me when I was born again. I believe that God had a divine appointment for me when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and called to preach. I believe that God had a divine appointment for me when I was finishing up Bible school and he spoke to me and told me to go to Kit Carson, Colorado and start a church, praise God. I, I believe that God had a divine appointment for me in the year 2001 when I sat at my desk on January 4th in the morning, God said, go to Colorado Springs and start a church, Karis Christian Center. Praise God. He had a divine appointment. I didn't miss the divine appointment. Amen. And I believe that God has more divine appointments for me as I walk with Jesus. Amen. We don't want to miss are divine appointments. I believe God has divine appointments for business people. I believe that God has divine appointments for, for homemakers and moms. Praise God. I believe that God has divine appointments for our children, for our teenagers. Praise God. I believe that God has divine appointments for everyone. 
We don't want to miss those divine appointments. But my last point is, do you know what? If you're going to walk in those divine appointments, if you're going to walk in those things that God has for you, if we go back to our text in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, we're going to have to live by faith. You're going to have to believe it to receive it. Amen? If you don't believe it, you're not going to receive it. Hallelujah. You know, I wrote a book on supernatural increase. Amen? Provision, receiving supernatural increase in your life. And I asked both Andrew Womack and Jesse Duplantis to uh, write a, a word for me in that book. And both of them wrote that. They said, you know what? We believe this is for everybody. It's sure working in, in Lawson's life. We believe it's for everybody. But you've got to believe it to receive it. If you don't believe it, you can't receive it. But thank God I believe the gospel. Thank God I believe the promises. Thank God I believe the word of God. Hallelujah. We have to believe it. Amen? And so he says this. He says, I'm not ashamed. All these different things have come against me. I've had some problems. I've had some trouble. Right now I'm in jail for preaching the gospel. But I know who I have believed in. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. Do you know who you believed in? Are you persuaded that he is able to keep that which you've committed to him against that day? Praise God. I thank God. I believe we've had some divine appointments in the last two weeks at Cares Christian Center. I believe some people have stepped up to the plate, amen, and have taken on a divine appointment, a divine assignment by God. And I believe as we walk in those divine appointments by faith that they grow and they get greater. I believe that the future is always brighter for those who believe in Jesus. I believe that the best is yet to come. And Paul talks about this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 and verse 21. And he says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He said, there's been a death that's taken place. I've died to myself. I've died to my own will. I've died to my own plan. I've died to sin. But not only have I died to myself and died to my will, died to my plan, died to sin, but I've also died to the law. He's really talking about death to the law. But he said, even though I've been crucified with Christ, I'm still alive. And it's Christ who's living in me. And the life which I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And finally, he says this in verse 21. He says, I do not frustrate the grace of God because of right standing with God. If righteousness came by the law, then Christ died in vain. In other words, Paul says, you know, it's really not about me. It's not about who I am. It's not about what I've done. But it's about the grace of God. It's about him. It's about Jesus. And when I get to know Jesus, everything in my life changes. And as I walk with Jesus, amen, I believe every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Amen. I believe every day with Jesus is better than the day before. I believe every day with Jesus 
we are moving into. When we walk with Jesus, when we talk with Jesus, when we do what Jesus calls us to do, I believe that our future is greater than our past. I believe that the best is yet to come in Jesus because of the grace of God. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Karis Christian Center podcast. If you would like to receive prayer, product, or more information about the ministry, go to www.karischristiancenter.com or call us at 719-418-4000.